Hello and welcome back to another episode of Only a Notebook, a writing podcast. My name is Nathana Mellor and I'm your host. In this episode, I want to talk about something related to writing, and that is finding an editor or finding a beta reader. Uh, if you get to the stage with your story or your novel and you're ready for someone to take a look at it, if you're ready to get some feedback. Uh, and I wanted to talk about this because I'm, like I've mentioned some other of these podcast episodes, I am a beta reader and an editor, and I thought it might be helpful to kind of, uh, for, for some people to see the other side of it, because it's something I see a lot like on Reddit, um, well, specifically Reddit, it's like sort of, you know, how do you look for one? What are you looking for? Um, you know, what are some questions I should ask? That kind of thing. So I wanted to start from the top of the list, basically, if not even a list, but it's just sort of a guidelines. And the first thing is, if you're going to submit it to an editor, or if you're going to submit it to a beta reader, or honestly, if you're going to submit it to a magazine or a publishing house, don't think it's perfect, um, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but more likely than not, your writing is not perfect. It, there's places it can be improved. There are, um, whether it be language or word choice or pacing, or it could be very good, just not as good as other submissions. Um, but it's something that happens often is somebody will send in their story to an editor or a beta reader expecting to hear back that this is fantastic. This is phenomenal. I found nothing to correct. And then when they get back something that's in fact, uh, you know, oh, I ha here's some correction, you know, su suggestions, uh, they tend to get very um, defensive. It's something that's happened to me a couple of times. It's something that happened, I think, to every editor and every beta reader. It's, you know, you have you have that one client, uh, and maybe not just one, uh, but who thinks their story is perfect and doesn't need any extra work. Um, so the, the first thing is, if you're going to go ahead and look for a, a beta reader, if you're going to look for an editor, is to just be okay with the fact that your story might not be perfect, um, that it might need some help, that it might need some corrections, it might need some clar uh, clarification, and just so you have to be okay with the fact that somebody ha might have some suggestions that you did not consider. Uh, and this is, of course, why you're hiring a beta reader or an editor. And I put these things in the same category only because a beta reader is essentially an editor that does not line edit. Um, most beta readers, good beta readers, should give you suggestions on what, something to change or something to improve. Um, they should give you advice on parts of your story that are too slow or too fast, things that are confusing. If also, like for me personally, I, I give advice if if I find your stories out of order, I'm like, well, you know, these these two or three chapters seem like they should come a little later or a little earlier. Um, that's also something a beta reader should give. Um, so this isn't necessarily. Um, a beta reader isn't somebody that just reads your story and then says, yeah, it was great. I loved it. You know, could you please pay me now? Um, they are somebody who's supposed to give some really strong, constructive, and critical feedback. So now that you are ready to receive uh, criticism, or not necessarily criticism, but critique, let's call it critique, um, constructive criticism, critique, uh, feedback, um, you have to kind of find a place, right? Um, the, you, there are a number of ways of doing it now, of course, you know, with the internet, um, there are places like Fiverr and Upwork and Freelancer that you can find someone a little bit more easily. It used to be that you'd have to go to, you know, um, you know, writing magazines would have like a list of editors or, you know, even Craigslist has editors and you'd pay and you'd hope that the work is um, sufficient and that you paid for something good. With things like Fiverr and Upwork, um, your money is held in escrow. So, you know, if you don't really like the job, not necessarily if you don't like the job, but if you if they did not fulfill their bargain, if they didn't fulfill their side of the agreement, um, then you can get your money back. So it's not like you're throwing a bunch of money out and hoping that it, uh, you know, ends up in with really good advice. Um, I, I personally recommend, um, using something like Fiverr only because I'm on Fiverr. So I, I mean, I don't love it by any means. Uh, I think it's a, just the worst. Um, but it does make it a little bit easy to find some people. If you on Upwork, you have to post it yourself. You'll have to post your, um, 
your own ad basically and and you know and get people to apply for you which isn't the worst but if you don't have a strong idea of um, how much you should be spending, then you might not find it to be very effective or you might have a really bad experience. Oftentimes people will post their own ads to, to Upwork and they'll say, you know, my budget's $15 to read my book because they think, oh, that's, exp-, you know, I'm paying somebody $15 to read my book. That's a lot of money. Um, but they're expecting $150 worth of advice. Um, on something like Fiverr, you can actually look at people's prices and find out, oh, okay, this is how much these things cost. Um, again, like just for a sort of uh, a benchmark, my own my own prices. Um, we know for for full length novel, for instance, ninety thousand words, I would charge about one hundred and twenty dollars um, to give feedback. Um, so it really that's just like a just you know to benchmark as you look around. It's sort of like are people charging more or less? I think most people charge a little bit less than that, just because it is. Um, you know, they might not have as much experience or they just might uh, prefer, like I personally prefer getting a couple jobs a month that all pay higher rather than multiple jobs a month that all pay slightly lower. Um, that's just sort of down to my own personal preference as a beta reader. Um, but, you know, you obviously can go search and find someone. Uh, and when you are looking for someone, there are some things to keep in mind as far as, you know, what are they offering you? What are they promising? Um, I, I would recommend not... Um, purchasing a a especially editing i would recommend not purchasing editing from someone who is promising a lot or perfect um it's a sort of a dangerous promise simply because i don't know if you've ever been to like barnes and noble or books a million or any bookstore and you pick up books and you find that there are sometimes spelling errors um they'll miss you know they'll either misspelled word or miscapitalization or uh, a little bit more you know not rare but a little bit more hard to catch is like you know, that was a bad use of a col- uh, comma or that was a bad use of a semicolon. Um, you know, so there are these kinds of, of um, mistakes that you can easily find in, in a bookstore. Uh, and these are, pu- you know, professionally published books. I'm talking about, you know, Random House, Penguin. Uh, I'm talking books that, you know, the agents read it, multiple editors have read it. Um, I mean, the cover designer might have even read it. So it's you have all these eyes on this book and then people still missed these uh, simple typos. So when you, when you're on something like Fiverr and somebody's promising that, you know, a typo free, um, you know, final product, then they're probably not telling the truth. And that's something just not to be avoid necessarily, but to be a little wary of. Um, it's also, you know, again, looking, going back to talking about the reviews, looking through the reviews and seeing if people, um, accuse them of using Grammarly. Grammarly is not the worst. It is, you know, I think it's great. Um, if you just have something simple to edit, I personally don't use it. I don't really trust it that much because it doesn't give me the greatest advice on like, you know, positioning of commas and whatnot. Um, so I, I don't find it the most trustworthy. It's, you know, it's basically a glorified spell check is kind of how I find it, uh, which again, we all have spell check. Um, but even even like Grammarly might sometimes catch like, you know, misused words or um, for instance, you, you know, you spelled um, fair, F-A-I-R when you meant F-A-R-E. Uh, so it's it's something like that. It's you know they'll they'll, they'll in theory they're supposed to catch those, uh, but they don't always. Um, and I I personally don't trust editors that only rely on that. I think I mean if they want to use it for like the first pass and then they want to go through it themselves and edit, that's fine. Um, but I just sort of I get wary of that. I'm like I want somebody who knows what they're doing. That way they can give suggestions. So on top of the reviews, you also want to look at their bad reviews to see what people are saying about them uh, negatively. Um, and I say that's, you know, it's kind of important. If somebody has no bad reviews, that's one thing. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean they're amazing. It just, you know, means that they just have no bad reviews and maybe they don't have enough clients or they haven't had enough jobs or what it might, you know, whatever it might be. 
Um, but most people I've seen on Upwork and Fiverr have at least one bad review. I think I have one two-star review. I personally have a two-star review, and um, I, I've seen a lot of other sellers that do have, all, you know, likewise one, two, three-star reviews. And it's not unfortunately anything we can do something about. Um, we just try to move on and hope for the best and hope that our other clients will kind of come back and keep using us. But the reason you want to look at the bad reviews is one, are there any? And then the second thing is how does the editor or beta reader respond to them? Um, are they responding graciously? Uh, not necessarily graciously like, oh, thank you so much for leading me a bad review, but more of just the, are they using it as a space to accuse the person who left a bad review of something? Are they using it as a space to sort of shift blame? Are they using it as a space to be defensive? Or are they using it as a space to just say, hey, you know, uh, what, you know, basically I understand you're angry Thank you know, um, all the best of luck with you sort of thing. Are they trying to take the high road? Um, and it, cause it says a lot about your, your editor too. It's like some editors are sort of like classically gruff and they're just like, you know, I, I, I speak my mind and that's it. You know, that's the only thing. Um, but I've actually, I, I've, I've seen bad reviews on certain, certain editors page, um, like one star reviews and they're like, you know, basically this person was awful. They just, you know, ridiculed my book, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then they give me a five-star review for doing what I, not necessarily ridiculing, because I don't think it's um, remotely healthy to disparage somebody's work. Um, but when I gave, you know, ideas on how to improve certain um, scenes or how to improve certain timing situations, um, you know, they left me a five-star review and said, you know, it was amazing. Thank you so much. Um, so I think it's, you know, as, as long as you're, you know, again, checking these reviews and make sure that the editor isn't saying this is an awful scene. I don't even know what's happening here because that's not helpful. Saying this is an awful scene is, is not helpful to you as a writer. Uh, but explaining why the scene doesn't work or explaining how the scene can work better is what is helpful to you as a writer, in my opinion. So once you've found someone, uh, once you've found a beta reader or an editor, um, this is where it gets a little bit complicated because some people come in, some writers come in with their own expectation of what they, what kind of feedback they want. Uh, some people come with a prepared list of questions. Uh, if this is something you have and this is something you prefer, uh, then I'd say go for it. Um, but I do warn people that a when they send me a set of questions, because I either offer a report, sort of like a book report, but it's on things that can be improved and things that I really liked about the book. Um, so when somebody does come with a list of questions, I say like there's, there's, I only offer one, either the questions or my report, not both. So I said, this doesn't leave a lot of room for me to tell you what I really liked about the book, or this doesn't leave a lot of room for me to, to tell you about like these really specific scenes because you're not asking about those. Um, for instance, somebody asked me, you know, where would you rate my book on a scale of one to 10? And I'm like, well, that's not, it's really difficult because I don't know what the one is and I don't know what the 10 is. And you know, this is kind of an impossible question. Um, so, you know, or, or would you you know, basically reread this book? And, if, you know, so it's like it was a yes or no on their questionnaire. I think it was a Google document. You could always say yes or no. So it was, again, there's no space to explain. For me personally, I would not reread the book. It had nothing to do with the fact it was a bad book. It had to do with the fact that it is a book that you read once and it's powerful and then you never need to read it again because the ending is sort of spoiled by the beginning. Um, sort of like you don't really reread mystery novels unless you've forgotten, you know, who the killer is or who the thief is. Um, so if you're going to go in with a questionnaire... I would leave some space for the the beta reader or the editor. Specifically, I guess is you know it relates to beta readers. I'd leave them some space to um, show you what they think or tell you what they think, uh, without having to fall directly into your um, you know kind of preconceived ideas of what you're waiting to hear back for, uh, waiting to hear back. Um, however, even if you don't have even if you have a questionnaire or if you don't have a questionnaire, there's the A B C D rule um, for for looking for feedback, and it's the what was awesome, A, what was boring, B, 
uh, what was confusing, and what did you not believe? What you you know is D is didn't believe, uh, and this is kind of just a very it's a it's a more than anything else it's sort of a foundation for you to look for certain responses or certain questions because um, you obviously want to know what was amazing, what did you like about the book, and what did you not? What can I change because it was too boring? Um, what did you find confusing that needs some clarification? And again, what did you not believe, whether because it just doesn't make sense in the confines of the story or whether it seemed out of character for my characters to be doing that thing uh, or saying that line. And that's something that I often bring up. It's like you have this great speech the character gives, but they have not shown uh, any hint up until that moment they would give a speech like that. So that's just you know a bit of a guideline if you're going to go ahead and look for someone. But my suggestion is if you are going to look for a beta reader, if you're going to look for an editor, be okay with the fact that they might have their own way of um, handling it, their own way of uh, giving a, a, you know responses, giving feedback. Um, but it is important to find someone, in my opinion, it's important to find someone who does someone who does it is important to find someone who does give uh, actual feedback and not just saying the story is amazing, everything about it is amazing. There are beta readers that do that. It's, if that's something you need, if you need somebody to look at your book and say it's amazing, I'd say go for it. Um, but you're basically paying someone to tell you they like their book. Um, I really do recommend paying someone um, that is going to help you, that is basically going to try to lay down some, um, not necessarily guidelines, but just some suggestions on how to maybe you know improve your book. Um, and all of this talk about paying me brings that final point is be prepared to pay for good advice. Um I mentioned earlier that I charge a little bit higher than some other people. I charge about, like I said, $120 for a full-length novel. Um, some people charge half that. Some people charge a third of that. Uh, I actually only started charging that much because I used to charge $40 for a full-length novel, and somebody tipped me an extra 40 afterwards. And I said, that's amazing. Thank you. And they're like, well, I'm only tipping you an extra 40 uh, for a total of $80 because every other one I found for the same length was charging me $80, um, and you were only charging me 40 so I figured it's only fair because you gave me what I felt was $80 worth of work, uh, which, you know, I immediately went and changed my prices. Uh, and, you know, it never was detrimental. So if um, in a different episode, I think the next episode, I'd, you know, I'm going to talk about becoming a beta reader. I know there's a lot of people who are interested in it. Um, but being prepared to pay for good feedback. And it doesn't mean you need, some people say, oh, you need 10, 15 beta readers. You need one, maybe two, maybe even three. Um, I do recommend someone, um, maybe your first beta reader to be someone close to you. Um, who is okay reading, your, you know, whether a friend or family member who's okay reading your book or your story for free, just to basically say, yeah, I liked it, or, you know, it wasn't for me, but it was a good story, I think. Um, they're, unfortunately, they're not going to be very honest, um, you know, because it's, they, you know, your your relationship means more to them than, you know, being honest, um, and which it should, you know, you really, I mean, my, my deep, deeply personal opinion, but um, it's something I tell everyone is try not to get honest feedback from, um you know, your family members and your friends about your stories. Uh, I've read books and I've read stories by my friends, by my family, and there's no good way of saying, like, this is good but needs improvement. Um, it's just, you know, you have to kind of say, this is great. You know, this is a fantastic story. Can't wait to see you publish it. Um, and, of course, you know, maybe sometimes it's a lie, but it's, you know, the little lies that you do to kind of sort of uh, not annoy anybody in your family. Um, your friends are slightly, you know, different kind of thing. My friends do, I appreciate, you know, give me a little bit more clear feedback. No one's obviously negative. They're just like, oh, I don't really understand what this scene is. I don't understand what this means. Uh, I'm not really sure who's talking here, that kind of stuff. Um, and again, some of your friends have a lot more time on their hands than others. Some of your friends will be like, you know, send me the Word document and I'm going to make a ton of edits. And other of your friends are going to be like, I have two hours. If I can read your story or your book in two hours, I will do it. But I'm going to tell you whether or not I liked it. I'm not going to give you more than that. 
Um, so that's, you know, if you're going to look for free, I would stick around there. Our writing group is another great sort of place. Uh, a lot of writing groups ask that you share your stories, you share your mm, chapters or part of your book um, with the rest of the group to do feedback. Um, again, if, if it's something that you personally, and I mean, you have to kind of, um, you know, feel this out, feel it on a personal level. But if, if you're feeling like the advice that's being given is not constructive, um, but it's instead um, sort of uh, tearing down your story, if it's deconstructive, if it's uh, harming basically your work, then I really recommend leaving that writing group and just sort of running for the hills. Um, a, a writing group should be there to support the writers, support the artists, support the creators um, by being constructive, by being helpful, by basically, even if it's a story that's terrible, you know, being able to pull out one part and say, this actually was really good. I think this is salvageable. I think the rest needs to be cut. Um, and I think that's, you know, so if you find a writing group like that, I think it's really important that you stick with them. Paying for a beta reader or paying for an editor, but specifically paying for a beta reader is only really important when you need um, sort of unfiltered, unbiased um, uh, feedback. You need somebody who doesn't really know who you look like, doesn't know who you are, doesn't know anything about you. Again, your writing group, your friends and family, they know everything about, like, you know, they know those things. Um, you know, someone who, you know, you need someone who does not know those things to read your story and say, you know, this is what I think about it. This, I think this is great. I think this needs improvement. Um, because I think that's, you know, what it really comes down to for, for most beta readers. We're not looking for what's good and bad. We're looking for what's good and what can be made to be good. Um, for editors, slightly different. You're probably not going to find somebody in your friends and family to edit it. And you're almost certainly not going to find a writing group that will edit it, at least for free. Um, so what you really unfortunately will need to do is Either teach yourself to edit, which I want to I want to do another uh, episode on that. I think I have one of my earlier episodes on some editing tips. Um, but either teach yourself to edit, or um, you know finding an editor and paying an editor. And unfortunately, with that one, it is expensive. It, even the cheap editors, you know, even if it's like if you have a book, for instance, ninety thousand words, even a cheap editor, half a cent per word, which is just ridiculously cheap, will still be charging you four hundred and fifty dollars to edit that book. Um, but most editors, myself included, uh, one to two cents per word. And then if you're talking like a publishing house, they get paid up to like 10, maybe 12, 15 cents per word. Um, so they're being paid, you know, multiple thousands of dollars per book. Uh, whereas I'm only being paid a thousand or, you know, sometimes 2000 per book. Whereas again, in this, this is the same situation. You, you can, you pay for what you get sort of thing. Uh, if you were paying me $1,200, you're probably going to get much better, uh, you know, uh, edited book back than if you're paying somebody $200 because you're really only then paying them to run your book through uh, like a spell check or Grammarly and then maybe make one or two small suggestions because that's really all they have the time for. Most people do need to be paid for their time and that's kind of what you know, you're doing, obviously. Um, so if it's $200, just, you know, they're probably not going to spend very long on your book. If it's $800, they'll probably spend a decent amount of time on your book. If it's more than that, they'll probably be, you know, trying to give you the best effort possible. Um, and again, if you go through something fiber or upwork, if you don't feel like, um, you know, you're, you're, they've lived up to their bargain, then you can file a complaint with, with fiber and they'll help you work it out. I hope this was helpful. If you are looking for a beta reader, I hope some of this information was helpful. Uh, again, that's not necessarily for everybody. Uh, neither is an editor. I mean, there are people who submit their books unedited to, to, um, publishing houses, um, or not necessarily publishing houses, literary agents, and they don't love it, obviously, but they're not against it. They're basically saying, we're going to hire an editor if we decide to publish your book. Um, so, you know, don't bend over backwards to edit your book. Um, if you are going to self-publish your book, I really strongly recommend getting it edited simply because there are, you know, thousands of books published every day on Amazon. 
uh, and if yours, it happens to be good, but unedited, it's, there's no reason to continue reading that book. Uh, if I can choose from any of the 2,000 books that were just published today, I'm probably not going to choose the one that is riddled with sparing, spelling errors or grammatical errors, um, or if I get halfway through and then I realize like they don't, you know, this is not spaced or paced properly, uh, I probably won't continue it. Um, so that's just something to think about. I hope this was helpful, and I hope to see you in the next episode.